Welcome to the local podcast. I'm your host, Clay Berkland, Director of Ag Banking at Pioneer Bank and Trust. With me today, I have Justin Borboom with the Natural Resource Conservation Service. I'm going to let Justin tell you what his title is because I can't repeat it. But uh, I often say the, the strength I bring to the table as a banker is not necessarily what I know, it's who I know. And I found Justin to be one of those resources we can direct people to that can kind of shortcut some situations and say, here's what fits for you and here's what doesn't in their program. So Justin's volunteered to be on and help us kind of navigate some of the programs they have available. So uh, Justin, I'm going to turn it over to you if you'd, uh, I guess, give us your title, since I would totally have messed that up, along with kind of your background and how you got to the position you're in. Yeah. So, well, thanks for having me on today and this opportunity to talk about some of our programs. Like you said, I'm with the Natural Resources Conservation Service. Uh, NRCS is what we most commonly go by. And my title is I'm a resource unit conservationist. So what that means is I oversee or I supervise five offices out here in the hills. And we have in all West River, we have five different uh resource units and we kind of work as a team basically what counties are you primarily responsible so for? i oversee butte lawrence southern mead all of pennington and custer county okay so gotcha. and we have our offices are in belfouche sturgis rapid city and wall for those counties you have effectively the same programs in every county they, they apply everywhere. yeah it, okay. it can be a little bit if you're listening out of state the programs vary a little bit but the overarching idea of the program yeah. is the same so but within south dakota it's going to match pretty close there might be a little bit different funding opportunities especially if we're on reservation fund pools or we have special fund pools for that so okay. there's it's the same program but a little bit different or a little bit better funding opportunities than we'd have outside of reservation boundaries or for beginning farmer ranchers or uh, socially disadvantaged producers. Okay. So what what's the first program you'd like to give us an overview of? So our first one that we pro- mo- probably most commonly use West River is the Environmental Quality Incentive Program. It's quali- commonly referred to as EQIP, mm-hmm. and it's probably one of our most versatile programs. Where we see a lot of it used is produ- or a rancher comes in, um, as an example, he has one big pasture. There's one dam out there. Well, we go out and look at it, and half of that pasture is being grazed because there's water at that half, and the other half's not being used at all. Yep. So we can come in there with Equip, and we can cost share putting a pipeline system in there uh, for a couple different reasons. One, it's going to benefit that rancher to be able to use all that grass, and two, it's it's helping the natural resources and protecting the environment by using all that and not overgrazing a specific area of it. So our EQIP program, we, you know, it's a, it's a competitive program. We fund once, we fund once a year, we take applications cut off at one time a year. This year, it happens to be November 3rd. Um, All applications need to be in by November 3rd. After that date, they'll be considered for our 2025 funding cycle. So if they're approved for in this calendar year, you, you could start your work in, in tw- for 2024 completion. Yeah, our goal this year is we're doing things a little bit different, but we're looking at funding once a month up till uh, March. And then after March, we'll have all our contracts obligated. And once you have a signed contract, you're able to start the work. Okay. The, the key is, is you can't go put a practice in and then come to us and say, hey, I'd like cost share for this yeah. because then we can't do that. 
Um, and I guess I'll, I'll touch on some of the common practices we see okay. out West River here. Uh, you know, like I mentioned, pipelines, tanks are really common. We can do cross fencing. Um, prescribed grazing is one of our our big practices. It's more of a management practice, but it's we're we're gonna pay a producer to learn how to conservatively. Actually, I don't know if I like the word conservatively, yeah. but it's uh, we're gonna we're gonna teach them how to take half, leave half, okay. have some season of use change. It's it's not gonna be a lot of change from what a current guy or most ranchers do now. But our big thing is to document it so you can react. You're like this year it was so wet. Well, coming into the year when it started to get wet, the rancher would be able to look back at his records and say, "Hey, we had this kind of year in what was it five years ago? Yeah, we were so wet or nineteen, yep. I think." Yep. And they can say, well, maybe I need to stock up this year. Or like last year when it was so dry, they'd have the records to say, well, this is shaping up to be like, you know, 05 was. Maybe mm-hmm. I need to back off my stocking a little bit so I'm not overgrazing. So is the season of use days on the ground or the time of year that they're on the ground? We or? require two weeks season of use. So, you know, say you have a three pasture rotation, just for an easy example, okay. that you have pasture A, B, and C. Yeah. The first year you go into pasture A, June 1st, you're there for a month. Then you go B, C. The next year we'd want two weeks difference. So what we'd probably recommend is to go B, C, A. You know, but that's all. We work with individual ranchers to customize what's Mm going to work best for their operation. And usually we don't do cost share practices like that on, say, like a calving pasture where they're going to, you have to be in there. It's the closest one to their barn, so they're going to be there every year at that time. So... Um, the other things we do commonly with uh, equip is we can do um, we do some forestry work. So you know we do forest thinning to help prevent forest fires. We can do some forest uh, or brush management to clean out the understory, help okay. help uh, have healthier trees. And a new one we're starting to work closely with is like uh, it's three years ago that big storm or the tornadoes came up and down Spearfish yep. Canyon and knocked down a bunch of trees. We have some practices to go in and help clean that up now okay. and clean out that understory. Because truly that's more or less harmful to the environment having it out there because you can't utilize it in any fashion. It is. It's well, and it's it's, it's too much. So yeah. it's it's hurting those trees and. Um, they just aren't as healthy or performing at their maximum potential. Yeah. So all, all these programs are done in conjunction with the producer. They come to you with their concept, and then you can tweak it between you to find your end result that you're looking for. Yeah, so I'm going to go back just a little bit further yeah. and give a little history on NRCS. We started yeah. back during the Dust Bowl. There's an actual interesting story about how it got passed through Congress, and Hugh Hammond Bennett started it, and they were uh, – he saw that a dust storm was coming across the United States, and he delayed his testimony long enough for that dust bowl to hit D.C., <laughs> and as it hit, he was saying, this is why we need, it was originally the Soil Conservation yep. Service. Well, we eventually, we moved into being the NRCS, and we're uh, part of the United States Department of Ag, and we're a non-regulatory agency, so we don't force anybody to do anything. We work yeah. with people that want to do conservation and improve their management on their operation. What do you typically find to be the t- the time lag between somebody coming in, getting approval, and being able to start and complete their project? You know, th- that's a good question, and it can vary from year to year because it's going to depend a lot on the funding that we have yeah. that year. Um, we're, we're funded through the Farm Bill, and so we have set allocations, and 
every year that that money can change a little bit. The last few years we've been really short on the amount of money we receive for mm-hmm. doing these practices, so it might have taken a year or two. Okay. However, that's one of the reasons I was happy to come in today is because with the Inflation Reduction Act, we've received some additional. We've received a lot of additional funds. Okay. Um, we're going to have about a hundred and thirty-two percent increase in our funding from okay. last year. So that's where if people have something we're talking about today that might interest them, it's worth stopping in before November 3rd and signing an application because if that's the case, they could be starting work this summer if their contract is funded. Okay. I assume there's caps and limitations on availability to producers yeah and we we do see it once in a while but for equip there's a farm bill limitation of four hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the equip program and another four hundred thousand for csp which we can talk about in a little bit um but yeah so for the most part there i've seen few cases where we hit that equip payment cap but the nice part is, is NRCS has good working relationships with partners that have some cost share. So when we hit those caps, then we'll start working with partners to come in and pick up the extra work and have a little bit extra cost share to okay. completely finish the problem pro- project. Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd like to hit on the Equip program? I guess maybe we could just talk quick, just briefly about how the cost share works, okay, just yeah. so because yep, that's usually of one of the most yep. important things. How, how does this happen? Yeah. Yeah. So the way that cost share cost share works is the thing to keep in mind is that this is a contract we're agreeing to pay. When I say we, NRCS is agreeing mm-hmm. to pay X amount of dollars for you to do X amount of uh, a physical practice, whether that's fence, pipeline, tanks. Um, so what happens? We have a flat rate that's set for that practice, which you'd know before you even sign a contract. And so we'll just use fence as an example. Say you're going to put in a thousand feet of fence and we're going to tell you that we're going to pay, I think we're right around a dollar eighty, a dollar ninety a foot right now. Okay. So you'd have that contract. You want it, once you're funded, you go out, you build that fence, NRCS is going to come out and make sure it meets our standards and measure the length of that fence. If it comes out to 1,010 feet, we're going to pay $1.90 on a 1,010 feet of fence. Um, Some of the people that are used to these programs, there's a percentage, and it can be confusing. We're not doing that. If you you can get that fence built for $1.80 a foot, you're going to make $0.10 a foot. If you hire a contractor that's going to charge you $3 a foot, you're losing $1.10 a foot to put that in. Gotcha. So... What are your favorite practices? To, yeah. We all have our pet projects. What, yeah. do you, what do you like to do? Well, when I started out, it was a lot of the pipe. I, I like it all, honestly. You know, it's for me, I'm not the, you know, the environment's important, but I'm here to help producers stay viable. Yep. And if we can do that by putting in a cool grazing system or we're even starting to see stuff where we're doing for urban agriculture with high tunnels and locally growing. We have some producers up in Spearfish that are they're doing amazing things on an acre and a half of land. Wow. So it's a high tunnels a greenhouse. Yeah, they're they're essentially a greenhouse. Okay. The difference is, is a greenhouse you grow it in like a, a stand or bed. Yep. And a high tunnel you're growing directly in the ground. Okay. So, um, but yeah, I guess I, I like it all. You know, we do a lot of irrigation stuff. That's neat to me too. I didn't grow up with irrigation and seeing how all that works. And, um, you know, we're, we're saving a ton of water by putting. A lot of that's through pivots. Yep. Through center pivots. That's another thing we can do with equip. And so. 
it's always been a kind of a oh thing I like to contemplate, but I don't know the answer to it. Do you have? Is there any statistical measure of what uh, just a pipeline will do to put weight on calves? I, I know it does, but. Yes, there is a firm <laughs> answer to that, and I can't remember exactly what the number is right now. Um, but the I, payback has to be it, pretty darn good for the producer. Yes, your your gain your like your yearly gain on a calf is significant, and I, I've seen the research on it. But I've also had friends that put in pipeline systems, and they're like, "Yeah, that number is dead on," and it's. Oh, dang it. I I'm not going to hold you hold <laughs> yeah. it under your head and make you fake an answer for me. So. Yeah, I, I, and I, I want to say it was around, you know, an extra 100 pounds of calf or something in the fall, but I, I don't know if that's right yeah, or that, not. That would seem a little heavy to me, but I've, I've been sure seen 25 to 50 on places that yeah. I'm real familiar with their calf weights and where they do come in. It, it's it's significant. Take that times 100 head and you're talking yeah. some real dollars, so it, it does pay off pretty quickly. Another thing I find interesting about you know, with this equipment, this program, where a lot of times we're paying to have physical practices done, whether it's pipelines or tanks. Mm-hmm. So you take a, a community like Belfoots or Sturgis or where there's not a lot of industry there, but you have a fence contractor or a, a pipeline installer. You know, that money we're paying is turning over two, three, four times in yep. that community and helping build that community. And I, I think that's a, a neat aspect of what we do as well. Yeah. I've I've seen a lot of those practices put into place, and I'm a big fan of all of them. So, um, I guess that's about it for equip. Yeah, that pretty well wraps us up with that, or covers the general idea of that. And then the other program we kind of talked about was the conservation stewardship program. Okay, and that's commonly referred to CSP, uh, or referred to as CSP. And the way that program kind of works is it's it's more geared towards. A producer or rancher that might have already had an equip contract they kind of have their place set up how they like it and mm-hmm. they but they still want to they've seen the benefits of rotational grazing and they want to go to that next level of rotational grazing well we can enroll them in csp and that's a five-year program it has a two hundred thousand dollar cap for those five years um and the way that works then is that we'll go out there and we'll evaluate how they've how they're currently operating their place mm-hmm. as far as it we're, we're evaluating how the, what their conservation is on the yep. place right now, and we give them a set of points for that. And then we have a list of what we call enhancements, and we'll work through the, with the producer to pick out those enhancements. And then those two things combine to give you an acre payment for doing those enhancements. Um, some examples of what an enhancement might be is that, say you're, you do prescribed grazing, and then we have an enhancement where they do body condition scoring once yep. a month. And, you know, they have, they'll, they'll set their own target, and then if it moves off that target, goes higher or lower, they document the adjustments they make to hit their to stay at their goal body condition. Dude, define prescribed grazing for me. So prescribed grazing is the big rules on that are take half, leave half, okay. the season of use change. Okay. We have a drought plan, and those are the three big components of big it. Ones. Okay. Okay. So you you then score off that to see which level they'll get to for their CSP contract. Yep. And the other big difference with CSP is that you enroll your whole operation, um, all the acres that you're listed as the operator as of, whereas Equip, you can come in and you can enroll one pasture and say, I want to do this pipeline and tank okay. in this single pasture. With CSP, 
we're looking at the whole operation. So we have enhancements that go on forest land. We have enhancements that go on rangeland and on cropland. Um, the big rule with CSP is is that you have to be meeting two resource concerns or you have to have two good conservation practices in place on your place already at, at the time of application. Okay. And then with your new contract, you have to increase one concern on each land use. Okay. So on the cropland stuff, what we're seeing a lot of people doing with our soil health push is like the, some of these are uh, these hay fields that have been in an alfalfa stand for 20 years and they're yep. really beat down is we can do some things with cover crops where we'll go in we'll we'll spray out that cover crop do like or that that hay field and yep. then do a cover crop for a year or two and then go back into it with uh with El- or hay again or okay. into a hay mix and the cover crop we can do the enhancements with then and you'd be able to graze that while it's in a cover crop so I'm not as familiar with that one. Is that a cost share on the cover crops then in your, in your new crop, or is it a? Yeah, so there'd actually be three forms of cost share on that, and okay. it, it, you know, you'd get your for how you're existing managing that. You'd still have that payment. We'd pay for the cover crop themselves, and then we would pick an enhancement that involves cover crop, and we'd pay for the enhancement as well. And what would a typical enhancement be, or the more common ones you see in this area? You know, for cost there, yeah, yeah, they vary so much, and there's so many of them. I really can't tell you. Okay. I didn't bring that with me Good today. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's they vary quite a bit. Um, the, the while we're speaking about cost share stuff, the one things that we really caution against is that this isn't a program to put in like a pipeline or a tank. Mm-hmm. It's not bad if you have a small piece that you want to do. Um, but like just as an example, and I don't know if these are the exact numbers, in Equip we might pay three dollars a foot for pipeline. In CSP it might only be a dollar. Okay. So if it's something that you're gonna do either way, it's good put to put it into your CSP because it raises your overall points a little bit. Okay. But if it's not something, you know, if you have a whole pipeline system, CSP is not the place to be doing that okay. program. Gotcha. That or that sense. work. Yeah. What what other common practices are the, the where do the shelter belts come in what, what program is that under normally we're going to do shelter belts under equip is we can do them under csp as well there's there's opportunity for yeah. that um and we do we've really started to do two types of shelter belts now we can go out we can plant like a five six row windbreak and wait for the trees to grow up and have good shelter or we're starting to see a lot of people go to the the fabricated windbreaks or the super steel windbreaks and you know they're in a v shape mm-hmm. and we can do both of those under csp and equip so i didn't realize that okay. yeah it, and it just varies on you know it kind of comes down to the extent you're looking at doing yeah. it again okay. if you have one that you want to try out csp would probably be good if you had 10 of them you want to do we better be looking at equip <laughs> so gotcha oh any other things you'd like to add about the equip program uh qualification parameters the I think we talked about caps and limitations uh, are some areas more apt to be approved versus others or does it apply pretty evenly across all counties so what we're doing this year and every year this changes a little bit and we're trying to find out what works best but this year we have our funding down to the resource unit level which like we talked about earlier 
So if if someone comes into Sturgis and they apply for Equip, mm-hmm. we are going to they'll be competing against applications from Belfouche, Sturgis, Rapid City, and Wall. Okay, um, and that's where it's important that we're this year we're we have that IRA or Inflation Reduction Act money, and that's going to play a huge role in it because we're going to have between normal Equip and the Inflation Reduction Act Equip. We're probably going to have about $1.4 million to do projects in those counties. And then the other, there is some things with, like like I mentioned, we have a Native American fund pool or socially disadvantaged is a technical term. Mm -hmm. Um, And that could be, I guess, African American, Hispanic. They all fall into that category as traditionally underserved producers. We also have a beginning farmer rancher, which that's if you've been own and operate your place for less than 10 years we have a special fund pool for them and both of those have increased cost share rates as well and then the last special category um, would be limited resource rancher and that varies from county to county it's based off of what the the poverty level is considered in that county and then how much you're above that and i don't remember the exact rules just but a there's some that falls under yeah gotcha i'm your host clay berkland our guest today is justin borboom with the nrcs uh, we've kind of covered a couple different topics i think now we're probably going to move into crp justin what, do, what can you tell me there? All right. So we have basically two different types of CRP going on right now. And I say we because this is a joint program with FSA and NRCS. Okay. FSAs are administered for the program, so they're in charge of all the payments and the, making sure the rules are followed. NRCS is a technical expert on there. Okay. So we have the traditional CRP where, you know, where there's sign-ups and the land's just set aside and it's not used for 10 to 15 years. Uh, about three years ago, though, they came out with the grazing land or grassland CRP, and it's a really interesting program where we're we're working with producers, and it's a working land program where we're not taking land out of production. We're using it to gra- – we're following that prescribed grazing that we talked about where it's take half, leave half, season yeah. of use, all that, and then they're going to receive a yearly payment from the grassland CRP program for doing that. And it's it's a great program. It can be a little extra income for the producer, and it can be a um, you know benefit for the environment as well. And okay. it, it's still working land, so we're starting to see a lot of that. Uh, we're having producers go from the conservation stewardship program, where they've kind of got their operation set up, and then they'll roll over into the gra- grassland CRP. Um, because they've already been they're used to that grazing at the prescribed grazing level and it's not a big change for them and so this is oftentimes phase three of (laughs) it can be yes it we we can go right to the grassland crp if they want if the producer that's what the producer wants but for the most part if if i was in a rancher's shoes that's the steps i would take is i'd go equip to build up my infrastructure I do the conservation stewardship program to learn how to manage it that, and then go to the grassland reserve program or the grazing land CRP yep. to, so I, I'm used to that management, but I'm still having that income come yep. in. Gotcha. Amazing. And that's that's going to vary the cost share rate per county. It's mm-hmm. based off the the rental rate of the soil or the value of the soil. Uh, Max is out at $13 an acre. And, uh, is there an average number in the area you it, serve? Not, you? not really, because it varies so much yeah. from county to county, yep. and even within a county, it can vary quite a bit. So, is that based on acres per cow kind of measurement, or 
Yeah, basically. It's okay. it's going to be based off of a... The big reason why is because we can look at a soil type mm-hmm. and we can tell you if that soil is performing optimally, we're going to be able to say that's going to graze or raise X amount of grass out there. Yeah. And that's kind of what it's based off of. And then uh, the take half, leave half is going to be roughly based off of that as well. Now, is this a, another program where you sign up your entire operation or is this one where you sign up a pasture or two pastures? This one can be, uh, you can do a pasture, two pastures, three pastures. You know, one of the things I, I always recommend for someone that's interested in this is don't do your your calving pasture yeah. again or don't do your, uh, if you're AI and in a certain pasture mm-hmm. every year at a certain time, let's stay away from there. Let's not make it hard on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tearing down and setting up pens in a different location from a year to year. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody's favorite thing to do, I don't suppose. So. Yeah. Um, are there program limitations on on this program then, in terms of dollars per producer? Uh, it's a it maxes out at a fifty thousand dollar a year payment okay. for an operation. So that's another reason why we went and you know some of our ranches it don't take that long to yep. get to fifty thousand dollars. So that's another reason we don't enroll entire places. The neat part about this program as well is, is say you get into a year and you realize that, you know, a cross fence here would really help me or Mm -hmm. a pipeline and tank would really help. We can do a modification to the existing contract and add those practices in at a later date too. Good to know. Any other thing on that program we need to touch on? No, that that pretty well covers it. The only the only time I really caution people on it is if it's an older producer and say you're thinking you're going to retire in five years, it's probably not a great idea to go and roll as many acres as you can into CRP just because you don't know who's going to be taking over. If you're going to sell that place, you don't know who's taking it over. Yep. And the new landowner has some responsibility. If they don't take it over, you have some responsibilities for that contract. To complete the contract. To, yep. So okay, gotcha. that, that's where I'd be cautious on yep. it. Yep. Right then, we're going to talk about ECP next today. Yeah, that's right. and we'll, we'll talk about ECP. That's another joint program between, and that's emergency conservation program. It's another joint program we have between FSA and NRCS with FSA, which is the Farm Service Agency. I don't <laughs> think I said that earlier. They're our sister agency in the yep. same building we are. Uh, it's an emergency conservation program, and where we see that on a lot of years where we get into the drought conditions, if there's failed water sources, they'll get this emergency money to dig a well or to bring in a pipeline and tank okay. and do some cost share on. Probably you know, a pretty popular program the last two, three years. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's yeah. out here, I think. Uh, <laughs> we, we probably set the record in the state for the most years <laughs> of drought or ECP in the county. So We're, we're always two weeks from a drought in western South Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, are there limitations there because that's emergency funding? It yeah, and I I don't have all the rules on that, but I know one of the big limitations is it's it's got to be well, like I said, there's got to be a failed water source, and the other big yeah. one is is we need to make sure that that practices is installed. I think it's within a year okay. because they figure if you get past a year, it's probably not really an emergency anymore. Gotcha. Understand? Uh, kind of a side topic, but are there enough well drillers in the country to keep everybody fairly caught up on these programs or is that it's that's an interesting thing that yeah because we yesterday we just had a staff 
teleconference and we went around all the counties west river and that's one of the biggest concerns we're starting to see especially with this expansion of money we have and yeah some of these contractors are getting a little bit older and they're just not wanting to put in it's a lot of work to dig a well or put in a pipeline and cold too I yeah. <laughs> so we're starting to see that become a bigger and bigger issue especially yeah. with well drillers that's for you know, you start talking up in Butte County, you're looking, some of those wells are 2,500 Pretty feet deep, deep yeah. and it's a, that's a specialized well driller. Not everybody can do that. And yeah. And I'm, I assume you have points of contact for folks who if they need. We do. We can give, somebody. we can give, we can't give references, but right. we can give a, a list a of list. contractors, yep. you know, and that's important. We aren't recommending anybody just because we don't want to favor one contractor yep. over another. So what I always tell people is if you know someone else that put a well, deep well in, talk to them and see how it <laughs> went for them. On, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, again, totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what have we missed that you can? Well, the last program that we probably use a little bit, or we're starting to see more and more of out here is uh, some of our easement programs, and mm-hmm. they can be a little bit controversial controversial um some people are against them some are for them i think there's certain situations where they fit really well um and it's one of those deals where it's the independent landowner can make up the decision if that meets their operation or not it it is their land and uh you know some of them that i've seen put into practice have been in a more urban area and they want to maintain that for farm ranch use and that's i I guess the heart of the program and, and where it applies best uh I don't think you're probably going to see it in northern Perkins County very often, <laughs> but uh, some of the communities closer to the hills, it probably makes a lot of sense for, for folks to do that, to maybe be able to sustain a next generation on their operation. Yeah, and I think the key to that is it's it's great for if you're running in a ranch and you're really worried how your son or your daughter is going to be able to take that place over because of, inherit, I don't, I'm not an accountant, but the inheritance taxes and all of that, yep. it, it can stabilize that a little bit and take that construction value out of that land like you're talking in the hills here and stuff and it can make it where it's affordable for a son or daughter to come back and take over when you want to pass that land to them so and you'd be the point of contact for something like that too or direct them to yeah they'd start with us because it is our program it's agricultural land easement it is a working land program as well where we're not going to say you can't graze this or you can even take farmland and enroll it in and you can still farm that land the only restriction we have is that can't be developed and that could even be you putting a house on it we need to so that's where we say if you ever think you're going to want to build a shop or you want to build a house we're not going to put that in there so the first step would be to come talk to us and then we need to find a partner to put in for that you know like we have rocky mountain elk foundations done some of that where Mm -hmm in the hills where they're putting the actual application in for the producer because they have to come up rocky mountain elk foundation has to come up with some money as well or the partner does and then nrcs will put some money into that and then we we try to make it work and it's a that's a pretty drawn out process we're talking years to get one of those implemented are there less than 10 in the black hills right now I think I can think of probably four. Yeah, yeah. It's so, not something I'd see used a lot, but yeah. if your instance would find it beneficial, then yeah, <laughs> you could be number five. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, there. Like I said, there's some specific places where they, I think, they would fit really well. Yeah. So we're not talking politics. I'll make that very clear. I'm just, I, it's been a challenge the last few years through COVID and some of our government shutdowns. I know you guys want to do your job. 
and sometimes you cannot be there. Um, do you think you kind of have it figured out here for the next five months, six months? To it, it's tough to say with that November seventeenth deadline yeah. looming. We don't know what what's going to happen. Whether we're going to go into a shutdown. But, you know, what I can say is that everybody I know that I work with, um, they come from ranch or ag backgrounds. We're, we're trying our best to do yep. what we can with what we have and push forward with it. Yeah. You know, it's we most of us don't agree with 100 percent of what we got to <laughs> do, but we do it because we know we do more good than we yep. do. Yep. The harm, end of, you know, at the end of the day, what you're producing is of value to our our region. And yep. we appreciate that. <laughs> I know it can be frustrating for folks, but yeah, and we yeah we can don't get, shoot the messenger. <laughs> we can get just as frustrated as you know the general public does with Absolutely. with some of the stuff we see. Well, are there any other things you'd like to add, Justin? No, I think that kind of that covers our main program. And um, like I said, if you think there's anything that might be of interest to you as a rancher or a farmer, you know, stop in and talk to us. We're always, there's always someone in the office and, um, we like to, we like to give the information out and we're here to help if we can. So, well, it's, I found it to be of great benefit to, <laughs> I think maybe almost every producer in our portfolio <laughs> benefited from working with you folks in some fashion or another. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't add here at the end, uh, one of the things I enjoy about the podcast is having people in it do a lot of volunteerism, community service, that kind of thing. And for those of you that don't know Justin, he's an EMT in Meade County, and we very much appreciate folks like you supplying services like that and being willing to, to volunteer for that. So well, thank you. In addition to your help here today, thank you for the help in your community. You it means a lot to us. This has been the Local Hawk Podcast. I've been your host. I guess I still am your host, Clay Berkland. Uh Guest has been Justin Borboom. Thanks for listening. Pioneer Bank and Trust. Member FDIC.